Travel, payments, and expenses are often a company's second largest expense. We're talking with finance teams and leaders about how they're simplifying, saving company money, and gaining control. Welcome to Travel Bank Business Class. Today's deep dive is about adapting corporate expense policies to remote workforces. I'm Shelby DeWeer. I'm a report author at Travel Bank, and I've been researching the long-term effects of the pandemic on corporations. And I'm joined today by Connor Lawrence and Brenna Casserly from Travel Bank. Connor, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Great to be here. My name is Connor. I run customer success and implementation at Travel Bank. So my primary goal is to make sure that my team of CSMs and implementation specialists have a clear path to making our customers successful. And I have a background in operations as well. So I really am always looking for new technologies uh, to help streamline the efficiency of our customers' journey. That's great. And Brenna? Hi, my name is Brenna. I'm a product manager for the expense and card product here at Travel Bank, where we focus on delivering intuitive and innovative product features that help businesses track and manage their business spend. And prior to joining Travel Bank, I held various positions in the banking sector, including a role as a founding member of a fintech company where I had the opportunity to directly experience a lot of the challenges and opportunities which exist for our current customers today. And I'm really excited to be here. Thanks, Shelby. Thank you both for your time today. So in preparation for this deep dive, we analyzed Travel Bank user data, we interviewed customers, and we surveyed hundreds of finance and HR leaders. And the foremost trend we're seeing is that remote work is not going anywhere. In fact, 74% of U.S. companies are permanently adopting either a fully remote or a hybrid work model. But Connor, I'm curious from your perspective in working with so many customers, like why are you seeing that remote work is absolutely here to stay? That's a good question. Uh, definitely a hot topic. I I think that number 74% is pretty astounding as well. Just a few short years ago, it was you have to fight tooth and nail to get one work from home day. And now we're looking at the majority of workplaces uh, implementing this permanently. So I, I would say we see, I'll go with three starter reasons for why it's here to stay. The first one is cost. You know, we work with, with finance leaders for the most part and remote or hybrid work models are, are dramatically reducing the cost of operating their businesses. So I, there's studies that show, I, I think it's about 11 grand per head is actually is, is being saved by working remotely. So that's, reduced overhead on rent, uh, maybe increased productivity, lower absenteeism, lower turnover rates. And, and once you remove real estate as a line item from your balance sheet, it's going to be hard to justify returning to the office, I think, as a finance leader as well, in many cases, if you don't need to be. So so first is cost, certainly. Second is flexibility. And, and honestly, this can be a function of cost as well, depending on how you're looking at it. Something like 70% of, of CFOs said providing flexibility for a, a work location was the most effective action for retaining talent. And really, that's a huge cost reducer as well. It's it's really, really expensive. It can cost double what it actually costs per year to pay an employee to, uh, to replace them. So this is strongly industry dependent. I do want to call that out. If, if companies in your industry are offering remote work policies in general, then you have to stay competitive. And if you're in an industry where Maybe your competitors are not offering uh, remote work as an option. It can put you at a huge hiring advantage. So retention and attraction of new talent is, is a really big piece of this. And, and final is, is productivity. I think prior to the pandemic, 
And really, even for the, uh, the good portion of 2020, as we kind of adjusted to this new remote environment, we saw a lot of companies that were lamenting the, the potential loss of productivity due to remote work. And, and what we see in the numbers is a totally different story. So uh, there's a study in late 2020 that showed that employees were actually working a day and a half extra per month working from home. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it does point towards productivity going up or people not being able to close their laptops maybe when they're able to just work wherever they want to at any time. And various other surveys are showing that the large majority of remote workers are, are less stressed and feel far more productive working from home as well. So I think those three really cost flexibility, productivity. If you put them all together, it creates a really, really strong argument for remote work not going away anytime soon. And Brenna, I'm curious, you have even a personal connection to this that I think is really interesting. Yeah, I do. So I'm actually located in Toronto. And so just to add to, you know, Connor's points here, you get a wider talent pool when you are not restricted by these geographical boundaries. So it allows, you know, companies, even travel bank to access more diverse range of skills and expertise. And, you know, with myself, I'm located in Toronto, like I mentioned, but there's also a growing number of travel bankers. There's about 10 of us that are actually in Toronto. And it's not just the benefit of tapping into a wider talent pool, but it also has potential for payroll cost savings. So when you factor in the exchange rate, um, for example, and when you take the average of like the last three years between like USD and Canadian exchange rate, the Canadian dollar is trading at average of like 30% discount. So there's definitely a lot of benefits of staying remote. Another trend I know that we saw, you know, related to this is that when folks work remotely, what is more or less like a business expense is very open to interpretation and the perks can be very uneven, uh, manager to manager or team to team. It kind of begs the question that companies need to think through what amenities are due to employees so to replicate that old office environment that they now have to DIY at home. You know, does that include morning coffee? Is it gym memberships? Are we going so far as like takeout or treadmill desks? You know, did your company used to provide meals? But at the same time, if companies are saving 11,000 per head, are there small perks that can boost morale, attract applicants, and still remain vastly ROI positive? Um, I'm curious what from the travel bank user base we've seen in terms of these creative work from home policies? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of creative, you know, work from home policies we are seeing. I think it's a great way to incentivize employees and ensure they have the necessary resources to be productive in their remote environment. And aside from the traditional expenses that remote employees are typically need covered, such as like internet or home office equipment or phone, We've seen our customers start to adopt more inventive policies to accommodate this shift towards remote work. And I'm happy to share a few examples. I mean, I think the biggest one is health and wellness allowances. Companies and our customers have begun to allocate a monthly or annual allowance for employees to use on home gym memberships or fitness apps or even wellness classes in general, even team events. You know, at Travel Bank, the Toronto team gets together monthly. So we have a monthly stipend um, that will cover any team outings or team dinners. We've also been seeing a lot of co-working space stipends because, you know, not every employee has the ideal workspace at home. So a lot of companies are offering that or even home office improvements. 
And we've definitely seen a few companies actually offer digital nomad support. So for employees who work remotely while traveling, if they choose to do so. And I know a few travel bank employees who actually do this. So companies offer that support in the form of Wi-Fi devices to even international SIM cards. And I just want to take a moment and look at some even emerging trends. Now, this is a bit more forward thinking and definitely not applicable for every organization, but we have started to see some companies implement virtual reality headset allowances. And these companies actually love it as it makes remote interactions feel a lot more engaging and definitely realistic. That's really funny. Yeah. I'm an introvert, so I'm happy being alone in the office. <laughs> I know that's not everyone. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a funny one. You know, I, I I love this conversation because you look prior to 2020, the biggest trend and, and probably one of the more talked about things, especially in, in reference to the, the technology industry, is the opposite of work from home. It's, I, I called it work is home uh, historically because you would have Google, Facebook, et cetera, all these big companies that were adding nap pods or kitchens in, in office laundry to make you stay longer and longer. Why go home at all if you have better facilities here in the office? And and now now everyone's being told to stay at home. So so we've we've seen this this whole industry flipping its head so from a to a certain extent. And and I think what's really important though is why were we creating those amenities in in the workplace in the first place? And that was really to make people feel comfortable. And now we have to figure out ways to do the same thing if we're asking people to stay at home. You can't just tell your employee to work from home and leave them to their own devices. So, so all the things that Brenda talked about are, are super important. And not all home offices are created equal. Many people, most people don't even have an office uh, space within their home. So I think that's, that's really the key thing here is it's much more bespoke. You have to give and empower employees, I think, to design their own space if you're going to ask them to work from home permanently. Yeah. I see this. I, you know, I work for a small content agency. We're like led by a team of moms and we um, expense house cleaning. And it's just the most non-traditional use of our expense budget, but it has such an impact on us to not be staring at like a dirty house all day, thinking about doing the dishes. It, it makes a big difference. I like that idea that it is bespoke, not just to the company culture, but to the person and their home environment. I have to, uh, I think I have to steal that idea or at least bring it to travel because I wouldn't mind some home cleaning. It definitely helps us recruit as well, which is really interesting. It makes us stand out when we're interviewing folks. I want to talk about our third trend we saw, which is that expense report volumes as a whole are accelerating uh, at a wild clip. They've actually doubled since 2019. Um, What's causing so many, particularly high volume and low cost expense reports? Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting and certainly something we too observed uh, when looking at the volume at Travel Bank. And there are a few key factors that contribute to this trend. Uh, but first, like during the actual pandemic, you know, a large portion of our expense volume was in fact mileage expenses. We saw a huge spike in people choosing to drive versus get on an airplane or even rent a car, especially in frontline industries that never really slowed down. And as we look at the last two years, so like post-pandemic, the largest contributor was like the shift to remote work. 
And with that, there's been a corresponding increase in the types of expenses employees need to re be reimbursed for, like home office equipment, utilities, internet services, and also the rise of subscription-based services. And a lot of our customers have actually empowered their employees to really select the tools and resources that help them feel more productive while working remote. Uh, and then we've seen other contributing factors are those creative work-from-home policies we just chatted about earlier, especially around employee well-being and to help with that work-life balance. But I think overall, if companies have a very manual expense process, the volume can be really a large burden, especially for finance teams. But that's why I think it's key to invest in an expense management solution that really automates and streamlines that whole expense process. Yeah. And on the travel side, we saw that there's like more people like literally on the road than ever. Um, what's going on with travel and what's changed? How long do we have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big question, but I, I think it's a good one. I, look, travel went to zero in 2020. It's uh, which has never happened, as far as I understand it, before. Maybe 9/11, post 9/11 was the closest in terms of U.S. travel uh, reducing. So it took, I would say, really until this year to travel for travel to come back in full force, which meant that travel and finance teams had a lot of time to think about how they wanted to design their policies moving forward, how they wanted their people to get back on the road. But in many cases and among new customers who we see come into Travel Bank, they still don't have the answer and they're looking for guidance or support from you know, what other companies are doing to, to move forward. So a, a very common theme that we see from new customers is that their policies are really still what they were in 2019, the beginning of 2020, and, and they need guidance there. And, and there's still confusion from their employees on what they can and can't do because policy still is that 20-page static PDF that they've never read and they're not going to. But also they uh, they know that something's changed. Pandemic, you know, tra travel is just different. So um, so I think one of the, the biggest like root changes in travel is the guidance from travel and finance teams has, has really had to be updated and be more specific to your employee groups and who's traveling. And I would also say the the road warrior environment that we used to be in, you know, travel was very consistent across most of our customers pre-pandemic. It was, it was customer-facing teams or operations teams who were in the road. They were working with partners and they were flying out to see individual clients and go on location with different people. Um, that's kind of what we think about still when we think business travel. But when we're speaking about companies who work remotely, a lot of that travel is is it's either gone away or it's at least diminished pretty substantially. We found that you can have an hour Zoom call with an enterprise client and still close the deal or still keep the customer happy. So the finance team is a little more um, focused on controlling costs there. I can talk about that more in a minute. But but what we're seeing instead is how do you get your team together? While we all love remote work and people feel more productive and happy. We also really want to get together and, and form those team bonds that make a team operate, I think, at a higher level and help with retention. And you know, we just had our, our revenue team kick off a couple of weeks ago. And you know, I, I can't speak enough how uh, how much energy and inspiration came out of that program, right? And, and that was a group travel event. So that's really one of the biggest changes is we have more requests than ever coming in for team offsites, events, et cetera. Which is a very different traveler group. And you you said like there's more travelers than ever. It's true. It's as a percentage of a employee population, we're seeing more and more people on the road than ever before. Even if it's a little less frequent, um, it's a it's a larger percentage of the total. So that's that's huge. And a weird one with this too, which and I'm sorry, I apologize. I hate this word, but pleasure. 
travel is uh, something that has really come to the fore too. If you're allowed to work anywhere, when your company flies you to wherever, you know, let's say New York for a company offsite, maybe you want to stick around for a week or two and, and work remotely from that office location and get to know your colleagues there or, uh, or whatever it may be. So, so we're seeing this blend of personal travel and work travel come together alongside the event travel. And, and the final piece here as well, it, which kind of underlies all of this, is the involvement of the, the office of the CFO. And I, I would say that's really a, a big trend we've seen is through the pandemic, the finance team took more control over travel. It, we, we used to speak to a lot of people teams, and I think we still do, but the finance team is much, much more often involved in these conversations with our customers on travel policy, on travel budget, et cetera. So as things move closer to the CFO, they tend to uh, you know, get a little tighter in terms of what travel makes sense and which travel does not. So uh, there's, again, that, that one hour meeting with a customer might not be authorized anymore where a team event might actually be easier to get sign off on because it's easier to tie that to uh, you know, something you can't do from a remote location. Thanks for listening. Trying to simplify T&E? With Travel Bank, finance teams manage their expenses, travel, and card systems, all in one place. Learn more at travelbank.com slash podcast. That's travelbank.com slash podcast.